0: you <music> Hey everybody, this is Brandon Ford, and welcome to this week's bonus edition of the Blind Rage Podcast. This time around, I chose one of my all-time favorites, The House on Tombstone Hill, a.k.a. The Dead Come Home, a.k.a. Dead Dudes in the House, a.k.a. The Road, and I think there's some more, and I delve into that, during the commentary This is a very Very early Commentary that I did It was episode 8 Of B-movie but Answer, And it was absolutely cringe-worthy. Listening to the few seconds that I Listened to because it doesn't Sound like me Um And What Parts of me it does sound like I don't care for. <laughs> I just, no matter what I do or how much saline I inhale, I just always sound ridiculously nasal. At least in my ears, I could be wrong, but neither here nor there. But this episode was recorded a long time ago, so this was before the um, Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray edition, which is the only edition of the movie I have now, and the only audio rip that I was able to record. I dispatched the... I think I said it was the... Troma Triple Beheader set but it was actually Toxie's Triple Terrors or vice versa, I don't know one or the other but the version that I had was Under the Dead Dudes in the House title and came in a set with two other movies uh, The Newly Deads and... Something... Equally forgettable. (laughs) Because I can't remember what it was. And, yeah. The transfer was... Awful. And I mentioned that during the commentary. So, when I talk about how shitty the movie looks and how grainy it looks, I'm talking about the... uh, The trauma version. I'm not talking about the... um, Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray, which I can't really see very well, but I'm sure it looks wonderful. Um, also, the Vinegar Syndrome version is, I believe, one hour thirty-three minutes forty-seven seconds. The audio version that I have is one hour thirty-three minutes. 34 seconds? I believe is what I said in the few seconds of the commentary that I actually listened to. So I'm going to be using the vinegar syndrome audio as a backing source. And I hope they sync up well. Um if it's off it shouldn't be too bad. But fingers crossed. Also I wanted to announce, big announce, drum roll, announcement, that I am going to be uploading my bonus episodes on Fridays now instead of Thursdays. I used to, or I was up to this point, uploading the new commentaries on Mondays. And the bonus commentaries on Thursdays because I thought it put a good distance between them. But since I have been uploading TV episodes on Wednesdays, I thought it would be a cool idea to have a new feature commentary on Monday, a TV commentary on Wednesday, and a bonus commentary. Feature commentary on Friday. Sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? Let's see (laughs) how long I can do this for. Well, I only have so many episodes of B movie Bonanza to upload, so it won't be forever. Um, But anyway, yeah. So there's that. And although this is an older commentary and... Probably not one of my best because I could tell immediately that I was a little nervous and unsure of what to say and unsure of myself. Not that I'm completely the picture of confidence now by any means. But I just sounded very awkward and... and Like myself, basically. Um... But I wanted to upload this this episode because there is a lot of information about the movie in it. And the majority of it came straight from the director's mouth. I had a pretty lengthy exchange with director Jim Riffle on Facebook. And I talk a lot about that, about the title changes, about the house that the movie was shot in about my early experiences seeing the movie on Cinemax when I was about 10 and the differences between the opening title card um, from that version and the trauma VHS and all kinds of trivia that dorks like me find interesting. So um, for those of you out there who are fans of the movie, like myself, I thought you might enjoy it. So Merry Christmas. And um, yeah, so once again, I want to please encourage you to uh, visit my Amazon author page. I've forgotten to mention it the past few introductions that I did, but please please check me out on Amazon type my name under the books section you should see my author page you should see my titles in paperback and Kindle editions you can also find me on audible if you want audiobooks and I have some audiobooks in the works I have a new limited edition hardcover which should be out very soon not sure when but it should be in the coming months and I also have the mystery of Kelly Christopher my latest novel which is currently available in paperback and Kindle editions audio version is forthcoming so please check that out when it is released believe me I will be spreading the word all over Instagram and Facebook and this podcast when it is available so you will know lastly if you have any questions, comments, concerns critiques, suggestions recommendations for movies for me to do please email me directly at blindragepod81 at gmail.com once again that's blindragepod81 at gmail.com If you have anything specific you want to say, or you just want to say hi and shoot the shit, you know, feel free to do so. A a reply is guaranteed. So, without further ado, let's get into the house on Tombstone Hill, aka Dead Dudes in the House, aka The Dead Come Home. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, this is Brandon Ford of bfmovies.blogspot.com, and welcome to another episode of B-movie bonanza. Um, Whenever I do these things, there's always a million things that I want to say right out the gate. And the first and most important one in this case is if you're watching the movie um, with the Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hers present trauma opening, um, you may want to pause it after that. That's 14 seconds into. Because um, the edition that I'm watching does not have it and it runs 133.34. Um, there is an edition, an upload, excuse me, on YouTube that has the trauma opening. And um, if you just skip past it, uh, we'll be in sync. Um, also, second thing that I wanted to say, um, now that we're 40 years later, is if you noticed the title card, at the very beginning of the movie, um, came slowly towards the screen and it was purple and luminescent with bright edges kind of ghost-like when i first saw this movie on cinemax god uh, probably about 1991 1992 um, it was the same title card the same typeface of the movie the house and everything only it was a bright yellow um i don't know why it was purple on the dvd and this uh early vhs release that trauma put out um but that is one thing that always stands out to me every time i watch this movie um so we are introduced to our cast of characters Right now, um, the actor who plays Mark, um, the guy with the sweatshirt and the glasses, some of you may or may not know, he plays the old lady. Hey the deranged old lady in the movie Um, and I wonder if um, his name is Douglas Gibson by the way FYI Um, I've often wondered if they filmed all of his uh, scenes out of makeup first just to get them out of the way because there's obviously a lot of makeup that he wears Um, to play the old lady it is not his voice though however um, whenever you hear her speak Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about is the title of the movie Um, personally it's a I think it's a pretty stupid title I've always thought it was a stupid title Um, and I never would have watched the movie had Cinemax the night it aired and as far as I know it was the one and only time it aired on Cinemax or on cable television in the United States Um, had they not showed um, bits and pieces of it in the ad and gave a short synopsis on what the film was about I don't think I would have given a chance, given it a chance, solely based on the title. And I know that the title itself is what repels a lot of people from watching the movie, Um, unless you have kind of a want-want sense of humor, um, you really don't like it. Uh, I know a few people who like I said wouldn't watch it even though I highly recommended it uh, based on the title I thought it was a stupid title and I've had other ty- other friends that have cracked a smile at the mention of the title and wanted to see it right away um, I have had uh, James Riffle writer director of the movie on my Facebook for a while And I've been in correspondence with him. Uh, First and foremost, James, I doubt you're listening, but if you are, I just want to say hi, give you a shout out. Um, James has been very, very nice and has answered my many, many questions about the film. Because I've had something of an odd obsession with it since I first saw it. And I did ask him about the Dead Dudes in the House title and about the many alternative titles that the movie has. Troma originally uh, released the movie, I believe it was the initial release, um, as The House on Tombstone Hill which is the title that I myself prefer. It was uh, later released as Dead Dudes in the House on VHS as well and then later on DVD in Toxie's triple B header, uh, triple feature with um, space zombies and something else, um, which is the addition that um, this source that I'm watching comes from. But anyway, Like I said, there were there are several alternative titles: um, "The House on Tombstone Hill," uh, "The Dead Come Home." Um, I've seen bootlegs of the movie under that title. I'm not sure if there was ever an uh, an uh, official release of it, but um, it was also called at one point "The Road." Um, and there's a German edition that is called Hexenhofs, which translates to witch house not to be confused with the uh, full moon uh, witch house from the late 90s but um, during my correspondence with James Riffle writer-director of the movie I did ask him about some of these titles And He told me that the title was changed to Dead Dudes in the House to capitalize on the popularity, believe it or not, of New Kids on the Block, who were very, very popular at the time. And Lloyd Kaufman of Troma originally wanted to title the film dead kids on the block um, but according to uh, rights and legalities uh, and under the advice of his attorneys um, who suggested that the title dead kids on the, Ho- the dead kids on the block might trigger a lawsuit to change it to something else and so he changed it to something similar, um, but not quite the same, so he changed it to Dead Dudes in the House, um, which I never associated with New Kids kids on the the Block, Um, I just associated it with (laughs) a stupid title. Um, As much as I love the movie, I hate the title. Um, like I said, I prefer the house on Tombstone Hill. I asked James about uh, the title of The Road because I was confused as to why it was called The Road. Since there's really not much about a road, the whole movie takes place in one setting, which is this massive house. Um, and from what I was told... The Road was the original title of the original script, which he didn't go into detail about, but according to James, it was very ambitious and I believe it was an effects heavy um, script. Um, And although there are a lot of makeup effects and special effects in this movie, Um, supposedly there were more so in the original script and when um, James found out what their budget was he knew that there had to be some considerable rewrites which he did and um, whatever the story was for the road uh, which he claimed was very different uh, was scrapped um, so there you go I want to point out that uh, Victor I was never quite sure how to pronounce his name I believe it's Farheeg, Uh who plays Bob the asshole with the bandana has continued to act over the years and I think has been the most successful of the group Um, I think his most notable credit is the HBO series uh, Boardwalk Empire never seen the show don't know how big his role was but I know that that's what he's uh, been uh, seen on post dead dudes in the house um, Sarah Newhouse, who plays, who plays Jamie, has also gone on to other work. Um, I've seen her in some short films. Um... Linda. um, Played by Naomi Coker, Coker, Coker. If I'm, I I believe I read somewhere at one point that she stopped acting after Dead Dudes in the House and went on to be a head honcho for the uh, Zagat Guide. For those of you who don't know, it's a pretty big um, publication in New York. It's a restaurant guide. It's what a lot of people refer to um, for all of their dining out needs. Um, At this point in the film, we discover that the old lady is in the house and they are slowly coming to uh, the group is slowly coming to find that they can't get out uh, due to some locks on the doors. And um, later they come to find that the windows are unbreakable. And all the shutters are closed. <clears throat> Which gives the movie a supernatural feel. Now, I don't know if... Um, fans of... Living Dead and The Walking Dead and all of these zombie movies... Um, would consider this a zombie movie. I always have. I've never been a big zombie fan, actually a zombie fan at all. I like the original Night of the Living Dead as well as the remake with Tony Todd. Um, Other than that, I've never been a zombie fan. But I do consider this to be a zombie movie. Probably the only zombie movie that I really truly love. And probably one of the most or the most <laughs> underrated uh, zombie movies uh, out there um, and I truly believe that that has much to do with the fact that people don't want to see it because of the stupid title okay so yeah that was a big blunder for uh, Lloyd Kaufman who I know likes to have um, Comical titles, campy titles, if you look at a lot of the trauma um, catalog, they some of the more uh, quirkier titles for their movies or had originally been had um, much more, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, had much more legitimate sounding titles um, as opposed to titles that scream cult film. Um, but um, I guess it makes sense since Trauma is known for making cult films, um, they have for quite some time. So I guess they want to deliver um, what their audience is looking for. I'm trying not to say, um, as many times, but it's a hard habit to break. So please forgive me. Also, I wanted to talk about, um, (laughs) this is my first commentary track in close to two years. I talk about on the blog um, bfmovies.blogspot.com in the previous episode Bloody Birthday which was an episode that I recorded and never posted so I dubbed it the lost episode of B Movie Bonanza I put the blog on the back burner due to a number of personal reasons Um, which I won't go into here because I talked about it extensively in the uh, post-joining Bloody Birthday, the Bloody Birthday episode. Um, But I did want to mention that this is the first recording um, that I've done since September of 2014. It is May 28th. 2016. two thousand sixteen i'm not sure when i'm going to upload this but that is the date that it's being recorded in case um this one this episode gets shelved too and it becomes another lost episode but yeah we're in may this is memorial day weekend and um I didn't stop recording the commentaries because I lost interest. It um, is a lot more complicated than that. Um, But my love and passion for doing these commentaries never died. And I'd been looking for a reason to get back into it. And one of the main ones was, getting the previous episodes uploaded to YouTube Um, I'm not much of a techie I don't know a whole lot about converting files and all that good stuff it uh, took me a little while to get the hang of converting the mp3s into video files uh, with a fixed image so that they could play on YouTube Um, if there's anybody out there who works for YouTube I think it might behoove you to create a way to upload mp3s with a still image so that people don't have to go through the hassle of converting the files so that they could just upload their mp3s with an image it might make things a hell of a lot easier because I know I'm not the only one who does these commentaries and this also goes for people that do podcasts and um, just generally post um, audio uh, recordings in general. Jamie is having yeah. her encounter now with the old lady. And if you, like I said, if you listen closely, this is not... Uh, Douglas Gibson, the actor who is playing the old lady, this is not his voice. But uh, she is telling Jamie about how she killed her boyfriend and how much she enjoyed it. Um, I've often wondered why she doesn't kill Jamie. In this scene, because in every other scene of the movie, excluding the scene where she encounters everyone as a group, whenever she encounters any of the characters in the movie, they're automatically dead. Uh, so, but in this case, she kind of taunts Jamie, s- smiles laughs about killing her boyfriend Uh, Okay, here we have Douglas Gibson aka Mark out of the old lady makeup and he has Become a zombie after being mutilated by the old lady and All the characters in the movie after becoming murdered by the old lady, take on different, more menacing personas. Some of them are murderous, uh, like Mark in this case. Um, you could tell he is uh, trying to intimidate her in this scene. He's toying with her just in almost the same fashion that the old lady has um, and he does have some shred of his former self because he's talking about how she has spent much of his money during the course of his relationship and how he's always resented her for it but has never mentioned it before. I guess to answer my own question, then probably the reason the old lady didn't kill Jamie was because she was going to leave um, Mark to do it. Um, Downstairs, the group is still trying to find a way out. They're drilling into the door. Uh, they can't seem to get the locks off. Um, Bob is so frustrated that he's going to take an axe to it and chop his way out. Um, also, I wanted to say that the character of Joey Is the only character in the movie that has been killed by the old lady and probably has the most gruesome death in the movie does not become murderous post slaughter he has a uh, his name is Eugene Sontner by the way you, uh, Joey has it to gonna have to take it from an interaction well, with S- take it Steve, up. the character playing Ooh, Steve, feisty, huh? um, on, who is played by John, John Dayton Cerna, also credited as a J.D. Cerna. Um, I could be wrong, but in my internet research, I believe at one point that I came to find that he's teaching acting these days, which is the case with a lot of actors in these kinds of movies who disappear. You come to find that, uh, for the past, uh, 20, 25 years, they've been teaching acting in a community college or whatever, because they didn't seem to really make it to Hollywood but anyway as I was saying after Joey is killed and he has his interaction with Steve while his personality has been altered he doesn't go after Steve. Um, he does tease him a bit, um, telling him that uh, the old lady is gonna get him. And his the line that he uses, she's gonna get you man, and it's gonna hurt real bad. And while Steve's death is off screen, It is another one of the grizzliest. And I was about 10 when I first saw this movie. And while I look at it now, and while I know a lot of people look at it now and see it as very, very campy and very dated, it really creeped me out the first time. I. The first time I saw it um, and I was never one to shy away from gore or um, more suspenseful scenes in in horror films because I've always considered myself very much a uh, horror connoisseur i'm not one who necessarily looks for gory images and heavy special effects makeup but um like i said i never shied away from it but at 10 the movie kind of got to me a bit it did kind of kind of freak me out and i do recall watching it for the first time in my living room by myself on Cinemax I believe it came on at 11 1130 at night and thankfully I recorded it onto VHS because I was I never found it or saw it anywhere else after the fact but I recorded it on VHS and watched it many 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 times and showed it to many 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 friends uh, growing up but I can't seem to get this story out. Steve's death is probably the one as grisly as Joey's death is. Steve's death is the one that got to me the most, and the one one of the only times in my entire life watching a horror movie that I actually closed my eyes, or pro- actually I put my hand over my eyes and this is the scene where Steve is pinned to the rug with uh, knives in his hands and in his ankles and the old lady is walking in and out of frame holding a circular saw and um, And Steve knows what's coming, I know what's coming, the audience knows what's coming, and I didn't want to see it. I didn't know that this was going to be an off-screen kill, but this takes place when the surviving, or those that survived up until that point, are locked in a room. And... Once again while the scene while the killer is off screen You hear the whirr of the saw very faintly in the background while the Group are trying to get out of the room and not only that You hear the roar, roar, roar of the saw cutting um, so that is meant to represent the old lady dismembering him which you don't see Steve in his um, zombie form dismembered you do see him bloody covered in cuts but he is back to in one piece Such is the case with uh, Joey, who gets his hands chopped off, and Bob, uh, who gets cut in half by the window. So uh, when Joey is seen later, his hands are back on, when Bob is seen later, he has been put back together and by the way I also wanted to say that I, I don't know if this was a joke or not I, I this wasn't something that I talked about with James Riffle when we had our our correspondence which was pretty lengthy and I wish that I could find it on my Facebook um, but we went on uh, for a while about, about the movie and he was very kind, um, in providing me with a a lot of information, a lot of information about the movie that he was able to remember. Um, what, what, I don't remember what I was saying, sorry. (laughs) I don't remember what I, what I was trying to say. One thing that I do remember him saying about... Because I did specifically ask about the house. I said, is the house still standing? Uh, According to James, at least at the time of our Facebook correspondence, it is, was. I am probably remembering this incorrectly, but I vaguely remember him saying that it had been turned into a bed and breakfast a a business of some kind is I'm pretty sure what it is used for these days it is uh, in a small town somewhere in New Jersey which I I don't remember the name of the town Um, also I wanted to say that according to James Riffle When Trauma released the movie on VHS as the house on Tombstone Hill, they did some color correcting that they did not do when they later released it as Dead Dudes in the House. Um, It doesn't surprise me because Trauma is not necessarily known for restoring their films. Um, I always find it hilarious in the trauma DVDs when Lloyd Kaufman does his introduction and he always says the same thing no matter what the movie is or what the cut of the movie is he always says the uh, digitally mastered which the movie rarely is Lovingly restored, which it clearly is not. Director's cut, which sometimes it is not. Um, Toxic Avenger, uh, for example, is, in a, is a case is uh, a case of that. In the original DVD, uh, it's not the director's cut because there are some scenes that are omitted, um, which I won't get into, but. Now we are at uh, Joey's death which, like I said, is one of the grisliest in the film. And I think this scene is probably why I covered my eyes in anticipation of Steve's death when I first saw the film because this is a very, very unsettling kill. Um, Hacking off his hands and then flicking them at him. Is bad enough and nasty enough uh, but she's not done as you can see um, because she is going to poke her head out poke out the window with a pipe and throw it down at him here we go very very grisly scene um, I, I like the touch of her f- fluffing her hair uh, after the job is done and she goes back into back inside the window oh I know what I was saying before <laughs> I was I was saying I don't know that if this was supposed to be a joke or not because I didn't I didn't talk about this with uh, James Riffle, but in the end credits of the film, there is a name that is um, attached to, or has the credit, Bob's legs on floor. Now, like I said, Bob, the uh, douche with the, with the handkerchief on his head, he gets cut in half by the glass of the window and um, his legs his, his upper half falls into the house even though you don't see it and his lower half his legs fall out of the window and there is still some life left in the legs and they twitch while they're on the floor now i don't know if they were robotic legs or if there really was an actor that they (laughs) i wouldn't even know i couldn't even begin to guess how they were able to conceal the upper half of the actor supposedly playing the legs um so i'd be willing to bet that it was it was a joke Okay, now that we have Linda, Bob, and uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Mark Zobian's character, the guy in the blue shirt. She uh, he, he is. Steve is separated from them. And that means that um, Steve's death is, is Ron, I'm sorry, Ron is the character with the blue shirt played by Mark Zobian. And I believe he's on my Facebook too, although I haven't reached out to him. And I'm pretty sure, by the way that he and James Riffle are still friends come on on, it's your turn Um, I do recall now that I'm thinking now that I'm talking about it that James Riffle told me that uh, Mark Zobian and himself were close friends at the time of the movie and Mark had some input uh, on the movie I don't know he did some he did some stuff behind the scenes Um, and the two are close friends still to this day Um, which is uh, 27 years later the movie was shot in 1989 I believe and um, released in 1991 I don't know if that had to do with uh, post-production issues or finding a distributor but uh, there was a bit of a holdup and it was around 1991 when I originally saw it also want to say that it wasn't until around 1998 that I was able to track the movie down on VHS I'm not sure if a VHS existed up until that point Um, but I used to Okay we have Joey who is now in his uh who is now in his zombie persona. But um I used to order a lot of movies on VHS in the throughout the nineties from a company, which I don't know if they're still in business or not. I can't imagine they are because of uh, Amazon and eBay and all, everything else. But there's a company called Movies Unlimited. And they used to send me a seasonal catalog. And I always would immediately go to the horror section because they were... Uh, it was a thick catalog that was... Um, sectioned off by genre and the first page of the horror section was always all new releases so that was how I would find out about a lot of new horror throughout the 90's I remember that is how I first heard about Colobus which is episode five if I'm not mistaken but yeah I I I discovered um, a lot of movies a lot of newer movies this way Um, and I would order movies from movies unlimited on VHS fairly regularly I think by the time I started watching movies exclusively on DVD I had only placed an order with them once I think I only had one DVD order from them, Um, but I found, I guess I stumbled upon it in the catalog, I don't quite recall, but Movies Unlimited was how I first discovered that Dead Dudes in the House had been released on VHS. with a really shitty cover. Steve delivers here, which is probably the cheesiest line in the entire movie. And I do remember almost laughing at 10 years old when he said it, which is not only a cheesy line, but a cliche. He's saying it now. I don't want to hurt you, but I will if I have to. Not only is it a cheesy line and a cliche, but it is delivered by a character who is very timid and obviously can't hurt a fly. And he even isn't able able to come off as intimidating when he raises his voice. All it takes is to lose your bearings for a second. In front of the old lady, and you are toast. Uh, where she had all of those knives, um, I, I, I don't know, because they do seem to kind of appear out of uh, midair or out of nowhere, rather. And this is a very, very grisly scene, and. Another thing that I've always wondered about, that I guess I should have asked James about, is the squirting sound um, that accompanies the the bloodshed. It's a it's a kind of unusual sound. It's kind of it sounds like like a hose, almost. It's not a very natural sound. I don't think that anybody who has been impaled or uh, brutalized in a similar fashion would. They'd gush, but I don't think the sound or this sound would accompany it. But I guess it's it's part of the ch- uh, movie's charm. Here we have the sound of the circular saw. And I remember just this feeling of dread when I I first saw this movie. And I I was very, very disturbed. And I really did not want to see what was gonna happen to Steve. So I closed my little eyes, little 10 year old me. For a long time, honestly, this was one of the creepiest movies that I'd seen and owned. Um, I, I I did find it very disturbing, uh, the violence and the gore, especially because I was never used to gore, extreme gore. I didn't watch a lot. Uh, I didn't watch foreign cinema until much later, and even then, on a much uh, smaller scale. I was never big into Italian horror, although I do like some uh, Dario Argento. A lot of it is just very cheesy. Um, But I was never into... Argento or Mario Bava or Herschel Gordon Lewis or any of the uh, the other horror uh, directors that are known for extreme violence and extreme gore in their film films, I'd never really. My my mom and pop video store did have a, a decent, a decent stock of extreme yeah. films, like uh, Make Them Die Slowly, and uh, um, <sighs> Cannibal Ferox, or is it Furrow, I don't know. Um, a lot of those kinds of movies, which I, was, I really didn't have any interest in. I was more interested in the slasher slash psychological style movies. Um, the kind that did contain bloodshed but um, concentrated more on uh, the psychological side of horror cinema. As opposed to just blood and guts, blood and guts, blood and guts. Now here we are introduced to two new characters it's not said what the relationship is. I believe they're just friends. I don't think they're blood relatives. I don't think they're brothers. If you were a real true loyal friend, yeah, that's what he's saying. Yeah, They're just friends. Um, I'm not sure where they are, how close they are to the house, or why it is so important for them or to the one to to visit but um, they decide to visit the house um, to do some investigating I guess and add to the movie's body count okay now we are going to discover the history of the house and about the old lady um, according to the article that um, Linda is reading right now um, The old lady, Abigail Leatherby, was attacked in her home uh, by a burglar who stabbed her 37 times, 12 times in the neck, which is pretty grisly. Uh, She survived after months in the hospital. After she was released, she repeated the crime. She stabbed 37 times, 12 times in the neck. The a neighbor who came to to visit her after dying, and then she died. I'm listening to the movie on it on an earpiece. Sorry, and I'm getting I'm getting a little confused. So, yeah, um, where I was going was after she had been attacked, the old lady. Um stabbed 37 times, 12 times in the neck, uh, and spent some time recuperating in a hospital and then brought home by her daughter. She was visited by a neighbor, a well-wisher, and she attacked him, stabbing him 37 times, 12 times in the neck, the same as she'd been attacked. Now at the very, very opening of the film um, you see an old man lying on the floor uh, covered in blood and Abigail, the old lady, walking back and forth carrying a knife. And her daughter uh, drinking milk, I think it was, it was milk or lemonade, something, sitting on the couch very casual. Uh, so this that was the prologue to the film which has just been revealed. Steve. Now we have Steve in his zombie fashion, zombie persona. Um, Steve, out the hall. I can't. Why? I'm hurt. The old lady Steve is trying to lure Linda, his girlfriend, so that uh, he can make her part of the zombie clan. Um, where s- some of them go after they make their on-screen appearances is not clear. Um, for example, uh, Joey, after he comes to warn Steve of his fate. He just walks off and is never seen again. I'm not exactly sure why or what happened to him, or if he was just a spirit, or what exactly the story is there. And I'm not trying to be a nitpicker. I don't want to be over analytical because I know that these movies are not meant to be looked at with a uh, over analytical eye. I've always said that if you are watching these movies and you are picking out continuity errors um, and things like that, then you really shouldn't be watching the movie in the first place because you're not invested in the plot. I was never one to um, notice things like, uh, for example, in Friday the 13th Part 5, toward the end of the movie when um, the Pam character her, she's wearing a pink sweater that appears and disappears due to continuity errors um, I didn't even know about that um, until the Crystal Lake Memories documentary came out and believe the actress who played Pam talks about it Uh, I didn't notice it because I was invested in the movie I was enjoying the movie Um, and that kind of stuff wasn't important to me now unless there are glaring errors in uh, the plot um, I'm okay Um, but little things like that nitpicker are for nitpickers not so much for me but uh plot holes i do have a problem with and <clears throat> whenever i think of movies with plot holes i always associate uh, that with uh, freddy versus jason which is littered with plot holes and things that make absolutely no sense Um, I don't want to go into that too much, but um, I know a lot of it had to do with Ronnie Yu, the director, tweaking the script, and also certain pivotal scenes being cut, but there's so much in the movie that doesn't make any sense, Um, and in my fanboy days back when the movie was first released. I do remember looking at the movie with an overanalytical eye. This was before uh, my vision started to deteriorate um, as I spoke, as I talk about in my blog for a Bloody Birthday and I was able to study movies a little more closely. I did, um, I made a list I didn't have a blog back then, but I made a list of inconsistencies and uh, plot holes in Freddy vs. Jason and I posted them on a message board. And I remember there was about 30 of them, things in the movie that just made no sense. And I'm not that fond of the movie, Um, I believe it is one of the weakest in both. The Elm Street and Friday, well, Jason X is probably the weakest in the Friday series. Um, But yeah, I can't, off the top of my head, uh, talk about that list right now, and nor should I be, because we are watching Dead Dudes in the House. (laughs) Um, And here we have... Another one of the more grisly deaths. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people wanted this to be, or Bob's character to be the first, but he he makes it 57 minutes, give or take, into the movie before his demise. And he is seen as a jerk, Right from the get go. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people were rooting for his death, so, and I'm surprised he made it this far into the movie. Uh, which makes this scene even grislier. The window <laughs> opens and closes, opens and closes, chopping him in half, and Serving him, serving as something of a makeshift uh, guillotine, only instead of cutting off his head, it's cutting him in half, Uh, until those legs land outside the house, but then magically somehow get back inside the house and reattach themselves to Bob's upper half there's the twitching legs who which may or may not have been played by a stunt person an actor I don't know but uh, it is in the closing credits if you want to have a look now we have Um, Abigail uh, Weatherby, the old lady's daughter Anne Who was singing Trying to lure the Boys into her room And um, If you look at her and you look at the old lady You would have You would have guessed That she had probably been the old lady's Granddaughter, as opposed to her daughter, because uh, she's pretty young and the old lady is pretty old. So. So. Much like the old lady, I'm assuming that she is a ghost or a demon. is pretty wooden, but you can't expect Meryl Streep in a movie like this. Now she's trying to seduce them, distract them with her feminine wiles. And it seems to be working. That was attractive, that little giggle that he did there. I know that James Riffle has done some more movies. Uh, not a lot. Um, he did a movie called Black Eyed Susan. Uh, which I unfortunately haven't oh. been able to track down. I don't believe it's got a uh, a release on VHS or DVD. Um, But from the information that I was able to find about it, it's a very, very different movie than uh, Dead Dudes and in a completely different genre. What I think uh, James Riffle is mostly known for are, I believe there's two or three, and I can't even begin to... Remember the titles, but they are something in the night of the day of the dawn of the something 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 in shocking 2D, and then there's another one in in supposed 3D. I haven't seen them, but what they are, from what I understand, um, the it's their Night of the Living Dead dubbed over um, with different actors doing the voices I assume Um, in a comical fashion like I said I I haven't seen them Um, I'm not sure if they're on YouTube or or not but um, if any of you have seen them let me know if they're worth checking out Watch this little dance that Ron does here when he runs up the steps it makes me it makes me wonder if he if he had some kind of dance training and um, okay. later in the in the fight sequence that he has with the old lady he, he does some some cabaret style can can style kicks. Um, Now we have uh Jamie um, who has scissors in her back, and uh she is the last of the original crew or group rather to to bite it and now we have our Ron and uh the yeah, new arrival Two of them are the last, so they, they know that they have to form an alliance against the old lady in order to make it through the night. Um, on the only one left. So am I. There's a pretty big body to... count, like I said. We've been trying. Uh-oh, Jamie's not dead. But uh, getting back to the plot of the movie, uh, Mark's character, who was the first to die, the uh, actor with the glasses. By the way, speaking of the glasses, I, I wonder if they were, if he wore glasses in his personal life or if they were a prop to disguise his face more, so that you couldn't really tell that he was the actor playing the old lady, but I could be wrong because you really can't tell since there's so much, so much makeup on him. And in the past, when I've shown this film to friends, and I've shown it to many people over the years because it's always, I've always had a soft spot for it. They're always very, very surprised when it is revealed or I reveal to them that the actor Douglas Gibson uh, plays dual roles as Mark and as the old lady. But getting back to the original plot of the film, his character, uh, Mark has just purchased the house and the group of friends uh, come to help fix it up. Uh, which are pretty nice because um when you (laughs) must be pretty close friends because uh a lot of the time it's very difficult to get anybody to help you move but you have a, a group of people who are helping you fix up a house and i'm assuming that Mark's character wasn't moving in just yet because they don't bring any personal items all they bring are tools uh, they're putting together a uh, they're going to get put put the house together for um, mark and Jamie's characters it doesn't say they don't say whether or not they're they're married or just dating. I'm, I'm Since they're pretty young I assume that they were just dating. Um, but it is said or Mark's character rather the character of Mark says at one point that the realtor who sold him the house told him that somebody came to purchase it just before not long before he purchased it and started fixing it up Um, one of the other characters asks what happened to him and Marcus says that the realtor didn't say he just left which is um, a hint that he uh, fell victim to the old lady before the group got there We have Steve uh, whistling uh, Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care which is um, uh, what he's um, seen whistling earlier in, in the film and uh, chastised by Bob because of it who, fi- who finds uh, the whistling very annoying. Zombie Steve is very violent and um, Homicidal as you can see here he wants to play the old gang, Ronald. Come on. Um, speaking of um, the alternative releases of the film, uh, I have seen the movie with uh, the House on Tombstone Hill title and um, I am quite certain that it is the same cut of the film as was released by Troma as Dead Dude Troma released the uh, the House on Tombstone Hill vhs as well as dead dudes in the house which i don't i don't understand i mean i can i can understand if a different distributor picked up the movie and decided to change the title uh, to repackage it um, and try to sell it as something else Um, but usually you don't see that when the same company holds the rights to the movie and reissues it Um, but I haven't seen the the German version Hexenhaus. I don't know if there are any alternative scenes there and and don't I don't know if there's anything different in the dead come home release Uh, I would like to see the uh, a widescreen print of the film but since Trauma really doesn't, as I said before, do much by way of remastering um, the movies that they put out, I don't think that's ever going to happen unless another company picks up the rights to the film. I don't see a Blu-ray forthcoming either. As far as I know, the movie is out of print. The uh, Taxi, uh, Taxi's Triple B header um, box set, uh, which is how, like I said, how I obtained the movie on DVD. Uh, I believe that's out of print. Um, I could be wrong. But I know that you can buy Dead Dudes in the House on DV- DVD-R uh, on Amazon just by itself. Um, you don't have to buy it in the... Uh, if, the uh, if they still do that, I don't know if they still have the DVD-R available. But um, from what I... I remember reading in the reviews for that release. There's really no point in buying it if you already have the the uh, Triple B header um, because it is the exact same thing with the exact same menu, uh, exact same everything. Only it's a DVD-R. By the way, I also want to mention the artwork for the DVD that is included in the uh, Toxie's Triple B header, which was, I believe, the Dead Dudes in the House poster, which is really stupid and again trying to be campy and comical. And none of the actors that are in the movie actually appear in that artwork. Uh, I'm going to see if I can track it down and post it with the blog. Also I wanted to say to if you're listening to this commentary on YouTube which I'm assuming most of you are on the the actual YouTube site uh, please don't forget to visit my blog where I post Um, some additional information about the films Um, and there's also a a gallery of exploitation art Um, some pictures of my horror and non-horror memorabilia Um, some links Um, lots of pictures to go with the uh, with the blogs So, yeah, don't forget to check out the uh, B-Movie Bonanza official blog site at bfmovies.blogspot.com. And while you're there, please don't forget to leave me a comment or two. scene's kind of slow, so I'm going to plug some other stuff. If you want to um, also uh, follow me on Facebook or Twitter, you can reach me on Twitter um, under at Brandon Ford, all one word, and uh, add me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash writer Brandon Ford. And if you want to check out some more information about me and my books um, you can visit my uh, author page on amazon just type in brandon ford under books and my bibliography will come up there you can order some of my titles and you can also check out some information on my releases on my personal blog site at writerbrandonford.blogspot.com. Unfortunately, I don't have an official dot com at this point. Um, Hopefully in the future, but for the time being, I'm just using a blogger. And I'm probably one of the only people on the face of the earth who doesn't have An Instagram account I don't really have interest in Instagram I was for a while one of the only people on earth who didn't have a Facebook and then I had a Facebook and just didn't use it and then when myspace went under or people lost interest in myspace uh, I had no choice but to uh, start using my Facebook account in addition to my Twitter account. there's a little bit of through there can't get in, Who's your little friend Rod? We have um, Bob in his zombified okay. state. And I think Bob is probably the most menacing. I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know what what that, with this, with that Indian call was supposed to be, but it was very odd. I'm wondering if it was improvised. But um, Bob is obviously the most violent. And the most menacing and the most homicidal of the, uh, of the zombies. I think it's because he probably had a very, uh, not so nice personality when he was in state, his human state. Handful of guts. Um. So yeah, he's he's a very very violent zombie. <laughs> a very violent zombie. Also, by the way, I want to say, too, that this was not the um type of zombie movie or one of the first times I had seen. Zombies presented in a non Night of the Living Dead fashion or Return of the Living Dead fashion where they were slow moving. They did not have any kind of verbal skills really. Um, They were kind of weak. You could just like tip them over pretty much. they weren't... They didn't really have... a shred of their original... personalities... left. Um... These zombies are... part... human. Um, in that they they still talk. Um... They, they know who they're attacking, they um, are very physical, Um, they're not just slow moving uh, the way um, they were portrayed in Night of the Living Dead, and this was one of the first times that I'd seen that. I know that zombies are presented in a number of different ways uh, in movies and television these days, but like I said, I don't, I, I was never really a fan of the zombie genre so I'm not really all that familiar I've never even seen um, the Walking Dead so I don't I don't know but um, and like I said I'm not I'm not gonna, gonna try to come off as a, a zombie expert here but I would assume that this was the first one of the first times that zombies were seen in a non-traditional light. That's what I'm, the point that I'm trying to make here. It was something a little different. I think this movie has um, something that a lot of movies in the horror genre have... I'm sorry, which is very... I think what this movie has is something that a lot of movies in the horror genre strive for, but very few pull off. And that is create a sense of dread doom early on in the film that carries throughout Um, I think when you watch this movie you know that no matter what it's not going to end well there is not going to be a happy ending to this movie there's not going to be Uh, justice prevails there's not going to be um, good conquers evil even after the the old lady is beheaded and um, Ron steps out into the daylight or takes a takes a step out into the daylight Um, I really don't think that you believe that he's going to get away. I don't think that you believe that it's over. Um, I think that once you step into this house it's a wrap. (laughs) You're not coming out in one piece. It's not going to end well for you. This is a very cheesy and very obvious non-special effect that I will have to (laughs) poke a little bit of fun at because that shot was clearly the actor sliding the screwdriver um, against the back of his head to make it look like he was pulling it out. of the old lady is very chilling too because it just it sounds it sounds very unnatural um but it at the same time doesn't sound supernatural it just sounds very odd and i think that makes it creepy especially in the scene where joey is hanging from the window and asking for help and she just says no No. There we go again with that bizarre squirting sound. She's letting loose with a her uh, death whale. Um... I'm not so sure I believe that it's really over for Abigail Leatherby. I don't know, I think she's gonna be back in some way, shape, or form. Even though there is no sequel, even though you don't see her again after this scene, I think she's gonna come back, terrorize a new group. Ron, after he has been put through the ringer, passes out. Wakes. and You get that, like I said, you get that hint that things are gonna be okay, but that's all it is, is a hint. It's, I don't really think that it is a, um, that the audience really believes that uh, he's gonna make it. And as you'll see in a second, he doesn't. Also, I wanna point out too, I believe that it is in this version as well um, I'm not, I don't remember if it was in the, the VHS release by Trauma, but I know that it was for sure in the version that Cinemax aired but at the very end of the credits in the copyright it says the dead come home which leads me to believe that up until the last minute um, that's what the movie was going to be released as before they changed before they changed the title a couple more times and that is it for dead dudes in the house um, very creepy movie I still think it holds up I still think it's a uh, pretty pretty nasty and um, pretty dark especially this release and God when you look at the credits I mean they're blurry they're they're not crisp or sharp or they just look like shit I think trauma shame shame on you trauma shame on you for putting out such a subpar Release for not even but this look. This is like worse than VHS But um, I'd like to take this time to say thank you very much for Spending these 93 minutes with me um, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have given me um, over the past couple of weeks on YouTube, uh, since I've been uploading the MP3s onto my YouTube channel, um, before that they before they were just available as MP3 downloads um, that I hosted via my uh, uh, Google Drive, but um, I kept having issues with them because. Uh, even though I would list them as public, they would set themselves to private for some odd reason. And I would get emails from people trying to download them. Um, So it became, that's another reason why I I, I, I stopped doing the the commentaries, because it became too much of a hassle and it became very, Annoying and but uh, now with YouTube it's made things much easier. But um, yeah, I want to take this opportunity to say thanks again and please um, drop me a note on Twitter at Brandon Ford on Facebook Facebook.com forward slash Brandon Ford and um, please check out some of my books if you like horror um which i'm assuming that you do um you might like some of my stuff i have a number of books available on amazon right now um open wounds um the final girl um decayed etchings which is my uh, collection of short stories coffee at midnight another collection um payphone which has been reissued in a revised edition um okay so yeah check me out on all of my sites and feel free to drop in and say hello um and i've gone over the credits so i think it's time to say goodnight. this is brandon ford signing off